Hello, listeners and citizens of Broncos country. My name is Adan Diaz, and let me welcome you to a new episode of Broncos Talk. I believe we are now currently at episode six. If you were with us last time, we were talking about uh, Juwan James, uh, the right tackle who decided to opt out of the season. And his, uh, his stance is, was not well received by the Broncos crowd. So uh, check that episode out if you haven't. I go into full detail about uh, my thoughts and other things. Uh, we also talked about the news around the NFL. So in this episode, I was kind of racking my brain about what I wanted to talk about. And I figured that maybe we should take a look at the history of the quarterbacks for Denver. Now, we're not going to go all the way back to the beginning of the, the franchise because I don't, I don't really know if, if a lot of uh, listeners even remember those uh, those quarterbacks. I know I I was born in 1985, so that's way beyond uh, before my time, I should say. But I I thought that we could start after the Elway era ended in 1998, and the reason is is because I mean let's face it, John Elway is he's the Duke of Denver. He's the quarterback for the Broncos and. It, it doesn't really matter who comes in next. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Drew Locke. I love the energy he brings and possesses. But Drew Locke is gonna he's gonna make his own path. You know, he's nobody is gonna try to overachieve what John Elway has done. You know, John Elway he's had the heartbreak, all the Super Bowls that he was in and lost. But he's also had his fair share of triumphs. He's had numerous highlights. He's got two Super Bowl wins as a player and one as a general manager. So he has his Super Bowl rings and he left at, I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I, at that point in time, I wasn't completely diehard Broncos fan like I am now. I was just barely starting to get into the whole National Football League uh, hype. But from the videos that I've seen, it almost looked like John Elway like he could have probably gone another year, you know, and and maybe chased another uh, another uh, title, but he was already due for for he had already had surgeries done, and you know, Father Time wasn't on his side. And I I as much as I would have liked to have seen John Elway play another season, I don't think it would have been really worth it to see him, you know, possibly struggle or even worse get hurt. And have to retire because of an injury, rather than you know winning a Super Bowl title, achieving a record of going of going back to back, and just you know riding out into the sunset. So let's start by talking about the man who replaced John Elway when he retired, and that man's name is one Brian. I don't I I, I want to say it's Greasy. I heard somebody tell me it's Grease, but I say Greasy. So. Brian Greasy. He was actually drafted in the third round of the 1998 NFL Draft. So my I my memories of Grease of Brian are are fond at the most because, like I said, I I I wasn't a diehard Broncos fan. And what I mean by diehard is I, I'm saying that I didn't watch every single game. I didn't study the players. In, in 1998, I was just barely starting high school, so 
for me it was just yeah, well I was I wish I could say I was a nerd I was a book nerd but I wasn't even that <laughs> I was more of an idiot I didn't really care about school um, I was let's just say I was just doing things I shouldn't have been doing <laughs> to put it lightly but whenever I was around people that talked about football most of them were Bears uh, fans because I currently live in Chicago so you know they were always talking about Bears this and Bears that and th- that's where I was like oh yeah you know football yeah I know somewhat about football but I couldn't really even pretend to say oh I'm a Bears fan like well no you know I've always told people like yeah I like the Broncos I like the Broncos and then over time I just started watching it more and more and more and and my love for the team just grew even more than it was at that point in time. So, Brian Grease, Grease, <laughs> I'm just going to say Greasy, and if I, that's not the right way to say it, I apologize. But Brian Greasy was, he was an interesting fellow. Some people liked him, some people didn't. In 1999, the guy behind Brian Greasy was one Chris Miller. He was the backup who was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft back in 1987. So there was some veteran, I guess you could say some veteran respect there in 1999. Greasy played for four seasons for the Broncos from 99 to 2000 and the end of 2002. And in 2000, he was backed up by Gus Ferolti, who was drafted by the Washington, well, now known as the Washington football team, in 1994 in the seventh round so he was a seventh round pick who backed up greasy in 2000 and in 2001 it was uh, gus again who backed up greasy so two years in a row and then in 2002 it was steven Ber, 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 berlin berlin yeah steven berlin and then in 2003 the reigns jumped over to one jake Plummer. Jake Plummer was the quarterback from 2003 all the way to the end of 2006. Jake Plummer, around this time, this is when I really just started to like really enjoy football. And not just watching it, I started to love playing it. So my love for the Broncos actually, you know, grew at this point. So I remember there were some people that I seen walking around Chicago around that time that actually had Jake Plummer uh, football jerseys. So I believe that I don't know who was better liked from the two. I don't know if Greasy was like better than Plummer or if Plummer was like better than Greasy. But if I had to guess, I would probably say that maybe Plummer was, and not by a a large margin, mind you. I would probably say by eh, a little, not, not a huge amount of people who probably liked Plummer better than than Greasy. So Jake Plummer played for three seasons with, uh, or sorry, four seasons, I I should say. And he was actually drafted by the Cardinals back in 1997 in the second round. So Plummer was, he might have been bouncing around the, the, the league a little bit before he landed in Denver. And funny, the funny thing about it is, is that he actually did better than most, I, I want to say, analysts uh, gave him credit for. I mean, there were some games where he didn't, uh, he he struggled 
but then there were also times where he uh, succeeded. So to give you a better idea of that, let's look at their uh, stats from the time they were with with Denver. Let's let's start with Greasy. Greasy, his um, he had 27 wins and 24 losses. Okay, whereas Jake Plummer had 39 wins and 15 losses. So in that one, Plummer Plummer wins. In their career passing, Jake Plummer had 11,631 yards total with 71 touchdowns and 47 interceptions. Brian Greasy had 11,763 yards in total who tied the Jake Plummer with 71 touchdowns, but he had just few a few more interceptions at 53. So their numbers their career passing numbers are they're pretty much almost the same. I mean, Brian Greasy does have a slight uh, slight lead in that, but he also lead, led in, in interceptions. So to, to say one's better than the other, uh, I mean, you, you can make a strong argument about that to be honest with you. But then again, it would also be it would also be in terms of who you favor more out of the two. But to me, I would probably say that maybe maybe they're, maybe they're the same. <laughs> to be honest with you, I haven't really gone back and seen every single game that Plummer and Greasy played, but maybe I should. You know, seeing, seeing as as the make at the making of this recording, we're all stuck under quarantine. But it's uh it's 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 an interesting argument. It's an interesting argument. So, let's see. Let's go back to 2007. Well, actually, in 2006 is when they drafted one Jay Cutler. He went in the first round, and he was drafted by the Broncos. And he was actually the backup for Jake Plummer in 2006. And it wasn't until 2007 when Jay Cutler got that he got held, uh, thrown the reins at him to him so he can lead the team. So now, let's take a look at his numbers. So for one Jay Cutler, he had a winning total of 17 wins and 20 losses. But then again, he was only with the team for, what, two years? Well, maybe you can count it three since he was uh, the backup for, for Jake Plummer in 2006. So for, for th- uh, let's say three years. So for three years, that was his record. Now, in terms of career passing, his numbers weren't all that great. He only had 9,024 yards with 54 touchdowns, though, and 37 interceptions. So even though for three years, that number, that, that touchdown to interception ratio is pretty good. It's it's pretty good. I have to admit, for and for him to just have been there for three years, it's pretty good. So let's go to 2009, where the Broncos uh, they traded with the Bears, and in exchange they got Kyle Orton, and that sent Jay Cutler to Chicago. And so Kyle Orton spent two years with the Broncos, 2009-2010. 
He also had... He... Man. <laughs> he, he struggled. Uh, I remember watching him play. I mean, there were a couple of, of drives where he looked like like really good, but there were also some where it was just... Ah, Jesus. Oh, you know, whose fault is that? But he, for the latter most, he did he did pretty good. I mean, he did okay. For but for him, his numbers, he won twelve games, but he lost twenty one in his uh, career with Denver. And then for for a career passing, he had eight thousand four hundred and thirty four yards with 49 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. So, at least his touchdown to interception ratio was was good. It wasn't as as bad. But when you look at the win-loss ratio, it's like it kind of makes you wonder uh, why those numbers aren't closer to being positive. You know, I mean, the touchdown to inter- interception ratio obviously it's a positive uh, positive result, but the win to loss, 12 to 21, I mean, yeah, that leaves a lot to be imagined, but then again, you got to remember that at the time, we had uh, Josh McDaniels as the head coach, and unfortunately, he couldn't do the same magic he did when he left and played for a certain team that I'm not going to name, but everybody knows, and unless you're a fan of, you know, hate, <laughs> So, in 2010, I believe it was, yeah, I think it was in 2010, they drafted Tim Tebow. So, Tim Tebow was the backup to Kyle Orton in 2010, and then when Orton left the following year in 2011, Tim Tebow took over. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle Orton was still on the team. I don't know if he played for that whole year or if he was traded, but Kyle Orton was the backup. They basically just switched positions because Tebow mania was just, it was everywhere, you know. And for Tim Tebow in his time in Denver, his numbers were pretty, I mean, they they were pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that's the whole reason Tebow mania uh, took off. And for some reason, I can't, (laughs) I can't find his numbers. I don't know why. Okay, so I apologize for that. I don't I don't have his I thought I did, but I was looking at the wrong player. But maybe because his career with, with Denver was so short. <laughs> um but I think the most memorable play for Tim Tebow was the wild card game in Denver uh, against the Steelers where literally the Broncos are in overtime and I think they had first possession and Tim Tebow just finds Demarius Thomas, uh, I think it was a slant route and DT just hit the Jets and he was gone and all of Mile High was rocking and jumping and screaming and shouting and it was great and I remember, I distinctly remember where I was, that happened on my birthday because we were at a restaurant eating and I was watching the game and as soon as that play happened I jumped out of my chair and I almost knocked the table over and all the food and people were just kind of staring at me and uh, <laughs> I mean it was, it was kind of embarrassing you know looking back on it but you know I, I didn't care I was so damn happy my team was going to the the divisional round 
and unfortunately we went to New England and we 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 lost. It, it wasn't even it wasn't even close. So then following the next year in 2012, the Denver Broncos scored real big in free agency by landing landing <laughs> one Peyton Manning, former Colts quarterback. Now, in 2011, Peyton Manning didn't play. He sat out the whole year because he had neck surgery overseas. And for him, it sucked because he had to sit there and watch the the Colts for just that year in 2011. The Colts were just terrible. They They were getting beat like nobody's business. And I, I personally think that the way they did Peyton Manning was it was bogus. I mean that man brought that that city a, a title. He broke franchise records, and for them to just just cut him like they did, and not only did they cut him, but you think that Peyton Manning would have been a, a, a sour or a spoiled sport about it. He even I want to say endorsed, but he gave his blessing almost damn near to one Andrew Luck, who was his replacement for Indianapolis, and. That's you. You rarely see that in the NFL nowadays, especially when it's you have to pick somebody's successor. So, 2012 Peyton Manning was just so incredibly amazing. I mean, the 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 the, the, the audibles he called and and the the plays he made and it was just amazing. So, for Peyton Manning. In his career as a Bronco, he played 58 games. He started in 57 of them. He only missed one game. And he had 45 wins and 12 losses. 12. Think about that. That man only lost 12 games in his in his four years as a Bronco. And his records? Only second best to the Duke. 17,112 total yards as a Bronco. He had 140 touchdowns and 53 interceptions. I mean, those numbers are just... <laughs> I mean, they're, they're amazing. There's, there's no other way to put it. And he, 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 really, he really should have retired with two Super Bowl rings. But unfortunately, in 2012, the Baltimore Ravens came and that ridiculous game that Denver should have won. Then in 2013, the the disaster in at MetLife. 2014, they got knocked out by the Colts in the I believe it was the divisional round. And then in 2015, when Peyton needed it needed help the most. The defense carried him to a Super Bowl title. And Brock Osweiler was the backup quarterback all four of those seasons. So if I'm not mistaken, Brock didn't play between 2012 and 2014 in terms of a starting role. He only just came in whenever the Broncos were up big and you know he just played cleanup. But it wasn't until 2015 when Brock Osweiler came in for an injured Peyton Manning and is, you know, a lot of people give Brock shit because, you know, obviously he he had big shoes to fill playing behind a, a legend. 
But as much as most Broncos fans don't want to admit, without the wins that Brock got us, the Denver Broncos are in a much tougher position to get to a Super Bowl. You know, he had to win uh, when his first career start was against the Bears. And he beat the Bears. The only game that he struggled in was the last one in Week 17 against the Chargers. And that game, a lot of people believe, including myself, that because the coaching staff switched him out and brought in Peyton, and Peyton did what he was supposed to do. Now, Peyton didn't go out there and light up the field, but he got us to win. And that's exactly what we needed. We didn't need Peyton to go out there and throw for you know five or six touchdowns necessarily. We just needed to win. So we could have stayed in in the first seat and uh, you know had some uh, distance from the Patriots. And he did exactly what he was what he was supposed to do. So, but unfortunately for Brock, that rubbed him the wrong way, and you know animosity started to build up and it started to get like tension starting to build, and it it it, it started to get bad. But, you know, for most of Broncos country, they weren't really paying attention to whatever Brock was going through. They were all, they were just seeing stars. And, you know, we were in, we had a vision of, you know, the Broncos are, they're going to go to the Super Bowl and, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to make it big because the defense was playing lights out football. They were playing out of their mind. They were great. You know, it's, it sucked that the offense couldn't, it wasn't the 2012 offense anymore or the 2013, I'm sorry, offense anymore. But the defense was was rocking, and then the pay the the patent <laughs> the the Broncos go out and they win a Super Bowl. So, what are my thoughts about uh, after the Super Bowl? I'll tell you all about them because we're gonna talk about it. But first, we're gonna take a short break after these kind words. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the quarterbacks from the previous, uh, was it 20, yeah, like 22 years. And we were up from Brian Greasy to Jake Plummer to Jake Cutler, to Jake Plummer, I'm sorry, Jake Cutler, Kyle Orton, Tim Tebow, and Peyton Manning. And we were just talking about the Super Bowl 50 and the Broncos win over the Carolina Panthers. So... For most people, everybody saw the writing on the wall, you know, and it it was a really tearful retirement speech from Peyton Manning. The man put his heart and soul into that that speech, and it it really tore him apart for him to walk away from the one thing, or the aside from his own family, that he loves the most. And I'm pretty sure that there is a future in football for Peyton. I'm, I'm pretty sure right now, you know, he's enjoying his time off, and, you know, aside from all the shit from... From COVID, but there is a future for Peyton Manning in in the NFL. I just hope it's with the Denver Broncos, be it a coaching position or hey, even maybe even up in the high office somewhere. But I just I, I do hope he 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 comes back to to Denver, and he I don't know maybe he uh, succeeds uh, John Elway when Elway decides to to step down. I mean, the sky's the limit on that, but only time will tell. 
So after the Super Bowl of 2015, the, the question for a quarterback, it, it started to take even more shape because now the, you couldn't really dip your your toe into the free agency pool and hope to pull out another another paid Manning, so to speak. I mean, you got lucky once, and it, it, it's, it wasn't really something that you could hope to do again. I mean, it was really, it, it's, it's hard in the NFL. If it's one thing that most teams spent years in trying to find, like a needle in a haystack, it's a franchise quarterback. And apparently Denver thought that maybe Brock Osweiler could could do it. I mean, he played for Peyton Manning for four years behind him. There's a lot of knowledge that Brock soaked up. And Brock was coming off as a Super Bowl champion. But unfortunately, because of the drama that had happened back in Week 17 and some falling out that Osweiler had with John Elway... Uh, you know, Osweiler, he just saw money. He just saw stars. He, I mean, he, nobody really knows except for maybe Brock on why his real decision on why he wanted to leave Denver, because I thought it was about money, seeing as how the, the Texans coughed up, what was it, $72 million to bring Brock to Houston. But John Elway told Brock that, you know, he'd give him 70 at the most. But Brock still said no, and he took the job with the Texans, and he left. So that was pretty much a slap to the face for the defending champions, and it, it put Denver in a bind. So then Denver went out and got Trevor Simeon, and he came into the league in the, that previous year. And actually, I take that back. I didn't actually know this. Trevor Simeon was on the 2015 Super Bowl team. I thought he came in in 2016. So, a little bit of knowledge for you and anybody else. He was actually the third string quarterback. And because Payne retired and Brock left, that just skyrocketed Trevor into the starting position. And behind him... Jesus Christ, I don't know why. <laughs> but John Elway took Paxton Lynch in the first round of the NFL draft. And I I honestly, I didn't even know who the hell Paxton Lynch was. Even after I saw his tape and his, his stats. But I said, hey, maybe he's a diamond in the rough, you know. And, but man, were we wrong about that guy. <laughs> And Simeon played for two seasons, 2016 and 2017. Uh, Paxton Lynch played for two seasons as well. In 2017, Paxton Lynch fell to the third uh, to the third quarterback spot because Brock came back as a backup to to Trevor Simeon in 2017. And let me see if I can find his numbers. Okay, yeah. So for Trevor Simeon, in his time as a Bronco, he had 13 wins. And 11 losses. So, uh, I mean, it, uh, he had some up moments, but then he also had some, like, blah moments, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. Uh, he showed flashes of, of like, yeah, this kid has could have it, 
but then he would follow that up with like plays or drives where it's just like nah it's it's not him this isn't this isn't our guy and I know Brock, when he came back as a backup, I think his most memorable game in 2017 was uh, a win over the Colts. But I think the Colts coming into that game were pretty beat up and they had a backup quarterback or what or what have you. But um, it, it wasn't, it, he wasn't the answer either. And Paxton Lynch, I know he got a couple of starts, but he, he wasn't the, the, the answer either. But not to just dump the entire fault on all three of these guys, but they were also coming in because in those two years, I believe it was they we had different offensive coordinators. I know Bill Musgrave was was our coordinator in 2017. Before that, I can't think of his name, but he was he 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 was only our offensive coordinator for like half the season. Then he got fired midseason. And Bill Musgrave got promoted to offensive coordinator. I can't think of his name. Uh, But uh, he was, and I believe that was 2016. And so it was, was it 2016? It might have been 2017. Yeah, I think it was 2017. Because Vance Joseph started in, in 2017. Yeah. Yes, I think it was him. So anyway, we'll move on to 2018. And we have one Case Keenum. Who came to us from the Vikings. The Vikings that previous year were one game away from going to the Super Bowl. But they got stomped out by Philadelphia. And Keenum, who came in, if I'm not mistaken... Who as the backup quarterback to to was it uh, Sam Bradford was just playing some? I mean that 2017 year for Case Keenum was amazing. He was making all these amazing plays, and between him and Thielen and Diggs, I, I mean they they looked they looked great. They they honestly did. I'm not even gonna sit here and lie. And Case Keenum was signed to play for two years with the Broncos. So, he came in. Now, the Case Keenum hype was, it it got a little bit bigger than it should have. Because a lot of people were expecting to get that Keenum that we saw from that, just that year. Uh, But unfortunately, it, it wasn't the case. I mean, in his first game, in the season opener against Seattle, Case Keenum threw for three interceptions. So... It was, it, it, it was off to a, a shaky start. The only good thing that Case Keenum really did for the Broncos, to be honest with you, was just his his fourth quarter drives. There was like I think three or four games where where the Broncos needed a win in the fourth quarter. Case Keenum drove the ball and got us a win. So that was that was motivation going into the in in that season. But even with those drives and those wins, it still wasn't enough to solidify Keenum as the, the savior to Denver, as the answer to, to the quarterback. It, it just, it, it really wasn't. And unfortunately, Keenum didn't really get that momentum to, to kind of solidify his place 
as the future starter of the Broncos. And let alone that, he just, I mean, we didn't even see the Keenum from the previous season as a Viking. I mean, that guy was just, I don't know, maybe he stayed in Minnesota. I don't know what the fuck happened to him, but <laughs> we, that was the Keenum we were all getting. But uh, I mean, in that season with the Vikings, that entire season, he only threw seven interceptions. And with the Broncos, I, I don't have that number with me. But I know he threw for way more than that in that season. He he had to have. He really had to. And it's just... It just... I mean, it sucks for me because I, I, I bought into that hype. I'm not even going to stay here and lie. I bought into the Keenum hype. I thought we were going to be great. I thought this guy was going to come in and he knew what he was going to do and... How we were going to get shit worked out. But it didn't. So then we go into 2019. Last year. of By this by the timing of this recording. And all of a sudden John Elway. Or I want to say it was John Elway. Decides to go throw a Hail Mary. And go for the paid Manning 2.0. And he goes out and he picks up Joe Flacco. Former Super Bowl MVP from the Ravens because in 2018 the Ravens found magic with one Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson was just he he played Joe Flacco out of a job so this to me was I mean I I I still scratch my head when I think about it because I I don't understand why you would try to I can't even I can't even come up with a decent thought. <laughs> I like what I if I could ask John Elway one question, it would be what was his idea going through his mind when he thought that this was the right decision? Like why? Especially when he went out and got Drew Locke, the quarterback he's been hyping about and looking for. Especially after you got him. Why couldn't you just wait until after the NFL draft and then seeing your your choices like okay I got Drew Lock and we can we can just throw Drew Lock in. That's what I, I would have done. You know, instead of going out and, and spending what did they spend? I think they spent some money and they gave up a, a draft pick for, for Flacco. Because they weren't the Broncos weren't getting Joe Flacco from you know years before. They were getting uh, like a stone version of Flacco, an injured Joe Flacco. And at at the time of this recording, currently he's he's with the Jets now, so he's the backup to Sam Darnold, unless they decide to start Joe Flacco over Sam Darnold, but I, I don't see that happening, especially since Sam Darnold's been the starter for, what, the last two two years? So, Elway goes out and he gets Joe Flacco, and he also goes out and gets Drew Locke, and then they also signed uh, Brandon Allen, who, and Brandon Allen, if I remember correctly reading, he's actually the backup for the Bengals now. He's the backup to Joe Burrow. So that nice little uh, resume he built in Denver last year helped him land a, a, a decent backup job with, uh, with the Bengals. So good luck to him. But 
2019 Joe Flacco, oh my God, it's like, I think that uh, I can't throw a football. I'm not even going to sit here and lie, but I'm pretty sure that I can probably throw a football farther than Joe Flacco. And we're damn near the same age. So that's, that's saying something. And it, it just goes to show you that while some players, I want to say get better, or can stay consistent with age, there are some that the older they get, they just, they just go a whole different, different direction, man. And it's not even, uh, it's not even fair. And this, this entire Joe Flacco experience was just, it was painful. If you go watch, I think his worst game was against uh, the, the Chiefs, the first matchup with the Chiefs in Denver. That was probably Joe Flacco's worst game as a Bronco. I mean, he just got hit after hit after hit. And Joe Flacco's about as immobile as a tree. Uh, let me rephrase that. He's about as mobile, not immobile. <laughs> He's about as mobile as a tree. And the fact that this man could not get away from a simple blitz. He couldn't dive in, run in the pocket. He couldn't make plays. He just heaved the ball sometimes or just threw it out of bounds. And it was, it, it, it just, it, it sucked. It honestly sucked. And some fans were just hoping that he would get injured just to let somebody else play. Since the, uh... Since the coaching staff were so adamant on starting Flacco and not benching him. And that's actually what it took. It took Joe Flacco getting hurt after the uh, the Colts game where he got hit from behind on the very last play. And then that, I mean, some people say that the, the legit, that that injury wasn't legit. That they only use it as an excuse to, you know, to swap him out so it doesn't look like he got benched. But I think, I think his injury was legit. But either, either way... It, the, the fans the fans knew it was time and Drew Locke was still he was still recovering he was still going through uh, uh, not, not training camp but he was still going through the whole process before he can be uh, activated from IR and Brandon Allen he did he did okay he had the win against the Browns and then he had what else did he have uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head there was that game against the Vikings where, Jesus Christ, the Broncos played such a great game that first half, but that second half, oh man, Kirk Cousins and that Vikings offense just tore us apart, and we we ended up losing that one. But after Brandon Allen, uh, after Brandon Allen's time was over, then Drew Locke came, and Drew Locke's first game was against the Chargers, and he won that game. Then they went out to Houston, and then they won that game. So Drew Locke started to build really good momentum. And then I believe the following game after that was the the snow, the snow game in Kansas City. And unfortunately, the Broncos lost that one. But at least this time, even with Patrick Mahomes in the helm, the Broncos weren't getting blown out like they were back a few months earlier in, in Denver. It wasn't so one-sided. At least Drew Locke went toe-to-toe with uh, Patrick Mahomes in the snow. And it was a a more respectable score, even though the Broncos lost. And then the win over the Raiders was, it solidified 
Drew Locke as the man. It it gave us it, basically it gave all of Broncos country hope, and that's exactly what we have in him going into 2020. Because let's face it, if he goes down and he gets injured, it doesn't really matter who the hell our backup is. I mean, I know Jeff Driscoll came from Detroit. And he played somewhat decent. I think I talked about it in a previous podcast about Jeff Driscoll. But Jeff Driscoll is not the hes not the savior for Denver. He's not the answer. And unless we have a defense like 2015 where Driscoll just has to avoid getting the football intercepted or fumbling it. And the defense can just get us a win somehow. Then that's the only way uh, Denver wins a Super Bowl. But we can't always keep counting on the defense to bail us out. You know, it was nice in 2015 seeing the defense carry an injured Peyton Manning all the way to the finish line. But we can't always have the defense out there, you know, asking them to do that, wearing them out. But to, to be honest with you, I don't think we're going to have that problem anymore because Drew Locke looks to, ha- looks to be the guy. And that's not just saying from his, his couple of games... At the end of last year, this is just this is by what John Elway has done in putting around Julak, you know, from Jerry Judy to uh, Hamler to I was going to say Spencer, but no, not not maybe maybe Spencer. I don't think so. I don't know if he uses him in the offense. From Melvin Gordon to Philip Lindsay to Corden Sutton, so Julak has weapons now, and he has weapons galore. And the only thing, the only thing that is hurting or that could hurt the offense is that stupid right tackle position. That's the only thing. And that's the only thing that going into, what was it, last week that Broncos fans were so hyped up about for the start of the season. And then Jawan James just had to go in and opt out. Now, the Broncos went out and signed uh, Dotson on a one-year deal. So, hopefully, between him and, um, I can't think of, uh, Wilkinson. I, I mean, those two guys are going to be fighting for that starting job. But it, it, whoever gets it out of those two, they're going to they're gonna have to try their, their damnness to get us to not get that man injured you know especially if if opposing defenses see it as a as a as a chink in the armor or a kink in the armor I think it's the word kink as a kink in the armor of what the what the Denver offense can be so I think that if if actually let's talk about Pat Shermer for a little bit Pat Shermer if he can do with Drew Locke, what he did with Case Keenum in 2017, I mean, the sky's the limit. <laughs> and by by that, I hope not just during the season, but past the postseason, because Pat Shermer, I believe, was he was the offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. He was part of the the, the Vikings uh, staff that that season before he went to go be the head coach uh, with with the Giants. So, and Pat Shermer was high on Drew Luck. He really was. 
in, in the 2019 football NFL football draft, he wanted Drew Locke to be drafted to the Giants. But unfortunately, uh, what is his name? Gettleman, Gateman, the, the, the GM for the Giants. He went out and he got uh, Daniel Jones. So, and fortunately, Drew Locke just happened to fall in the second round and into John Elway's lap. So, and I think I've said it in a previous podcast before, now that Pat Shermer has his guy, the, it, it's, the, it, this is great. You know, it's, it's great from a, a, a fan's perspective and it's great from an offensive perspective because now you have the guy you've been hoping or, or, or wanted since the start and you don't have to settle for anything else. And the running game looks to be if not better than last year. Because now we actually have a one-two punch in Philip Lindsay and uh, Melvin Gordon. Now, I have read on a lot of of um, a lot of forums that a lot of people aren't really happy with Melvin Gordon and mostly because of the money that they, they spent. But, I mean, let's be honest with, with it. Royce Freeman wasn't exactly the type of guy that we thought he was going to be when they drafted him from Oregon. Uh, back in, what was it, uh, 20, 2018, 2017? So, he wasn't the, that, that punch kind of guy when we needed him to be. So, I'm thinking that if if Melvin Gordon can redeem himself, especially Melvin Gordon, <laughs> Melvin Gordon also didn't really have a spectacular season last year with the Chargers, too. Especially because of his little stupid holdout he did. But now, hopefully, he finds that motivation now that he's a Bronco. Because now he actually has fans to play for. (laughs) This isn't like the Chargers where there's just, like, your teammates and maybe a couple of scattered fans. And that's it. No, now he has Broncos country to to support him and to to cheer for him and to maybe even pick him up in a fantasy draft and and show show us what he can do and basically in in a much simpler term just go out there and earn your paycheck because it's going to be an interesting show to see how uh, those two guys can get along and not only just get along but Maybe make outdo each other. Maybe make it a little bit competitive. See which one of them cracks a thousand yards first. And while doing that, you know, carrying the the offense when the offense needs to be needs to be carried. So, in retrospect, Denver after John Elway, I, I want to say that Denver kind of they struggled. They struggled because they probably had a lot of high hopes. With most of these guys, but uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, after John Elway, the the Broncos got to the postseason in 2000 and 2003 with Plummer. In 2000, it was with Gus because I think uh, I think Greasy got hurt, and then they made it with uh, in 2004 and floor. <laughs> In 2004 with Plummer and 2005. So the Broncos were in the postseason three, all three of those years with Plummer. But unfortunately, the Broncos weren't able to get to a Super Bowl. They were only got either to the Divisional or the AFC Championship game at, at the most. 
And then from 2005 to 2011, the Broncos didn't make the postseason at all. So not with Orton, not with uh, Cutler, not with Orton, and it didn't happen again until Tim Tebow in 2011, where they beat the Steelers, but they lost to the Patriots. And then the following year with Peyton Manning, but we got our asses kicked in the divisional round against uh, the fucking Ravens. And in 2013, won the divisional and won the AFC Championship game, but lost the Super Bowl. And then 2014, divisional round, lost to the Colts. And then in 2015, they went all the way and won the, the whole damn thing. So, it, it's more like, when you look at it, it's like a roller coaster. You know, but except you can't see where you're going. <laughs> You can feel the the altitudes and you can feel the turns and everything, but it's like being on a roller coaster, but it's totally pitch black and you can't see shit. That's what this whole thing felt like. Excuse me, I had to get something to drink. <laughs> and hopefully, 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 we found our answer in Drew Locke. And we can stop looking for a quarterback for a while and concentrate on other aspects of the the team going into 2021. Especially since, if I'm not mistaken, we're going to have a, a good amount of uh, free agents hitting the market. And hopefully uh, uh, John Elway can, can move some money around and, and keep most of our guys. Especially if they make it to a, a playoff run and even better, leave 2020 as Super Bowl champs. So, I'm really hoping that Drew Locke goes out there and he wows everyone. And a lot of analysts are predicting Drew Locke to have a a big year because that's been the thread. Excuse me. That's been the thread with second-year quarterbacks the last, uh, over the last, I want to say, four or five years. That second-year quarterbacks have shown giant leaps of improvement. And in the turn, and you can, and it's either going to go one of two ways. It can go the Lamar Jackson way, where the season is just phenomenal, but in the first playoff game, you lose and you get bounced out. Or it can go the, I know people are not going to like this, but it can go the Patrick Mahomes way, where, yeah, you lost a couple of of, uh, postseason seasons, but. You get that one season where you go out and win a Super Bowl and become Super Bowl MVP at that. And who knows, maybe Drew Locke, if he can bring a Super a four Super Bowl to Denver, he can break the bank. Maybe get paid even more money than uh, what Drew Locke, uh, Drew Locke than uh, what Patrick Mahomes is making. But first he has to prove that he can go out there and, and win us a, a championship. So the, uh, the the offense, the sky's the limit for this offense. It it really is, and they have so many good players. And I I'm so excited to see what kind of offense Pat Shermer is is gonna bring compared to that. Really, what the fuck's going on offense that uh, Scangarillo had last season? But it's it'll be interesting to see how this offense challenges defenses to play. Do they want them to stack the box and punish the, them with their receivers? 
or do they cover the outside but punish them by you know gutting the in the box and the more you think about it the more it, it just gets really exciting and i i i want to say that i it it, it feels good it, it feels good because for the last since Payne Manning retired, I've always just had this what if feeling, you know, what if Trevor Simeon sucks? What if Case Keenum sucks? What if Joe Flacco sucks? But now I don't, I don't have that feeling. You know, the only feeling I have is what if you like gets hurt, but I'm really praying that doesn't happen. Um, so it, it, it it's going to be good. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a really good uh, uh, regular season. And that's saying that hopefully, you know, this this whole thing with COVID doesn't come in and ruin it because it would be a such a fucking thing like COVID to do to just come in and fuck up football like it has been doing with uh, with baseball. But regardless of that, if I'm excited about Drew Locke and his offense, then you guys should be excited too because I believe we're in for a treat. So that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Is, and as always, if you guys want to reach out to me and you want to give me some comments, ideas, or suggestions about the, the podcast, you can reach me at broncostalk2020 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter name is at uh, 6foot10mexican. That's 6, the number 6, and the numbers 1 and 0. So it's A, number 6, FT, 1, 0, the word Mexican, all together on Twitter. You can follow me there. And also, if you want to become a monthly uh, supporter for the show, I'd really appreciate it. But most of all, guys, thank you for coming in and sitting there for a whole, it's been like 50-something minutes, and just listen to me jabbing about the, the Denver Broncos. And I haven't forgotten about my, uh, I don't even know if it's a promise I made, but uh, my about having a, a guest on. I've been racking my brain. I've been trying to get people but I, it's either I can't figure out how to record both of us together or it's just scheduling conflicts. So I'm still trying to get uh, a guest on. It'll probably be my brother once he gets done settling in, moving in. And if it's not next episode, I'm going to try to bring it to you guys as, as uh, hopefully before the season starts. But anyway, thank you for listening and have a good one, uh, listeners and citizens of Broncos country.